feels like if you start your day doing something hard, you feel more capable of doing hard things. That's just how, why I do it. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to Anyone Anywhere podcast. So first of all, I want to take to my friend Basil to give him his microphone. And now let's present our guest is Olaf Heckman. is Adapt Coach and founder of the Five Degree Change. Olaf is also a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu purple belt and a Vipassana enthusiast. Olaf is working helping people with his new program, One Month Habit Experiment. How are you, my friend, today? I don't know if I mistake something. If I mistake, please correct me. Uh, it's kind of right. I can fill in the gaps where it's needed, but it's pretty right. I'm doing really well. I mean, it's, uh, it's a sunny day. I get to talk to you. Can't complain. Thank you so much for having the time. So Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. So let's start from the beginning and tell me a little bit about the coffee cow. <laughs> yeah, coffee cow was, uh, wasn't completely my idea. So I, when I was deciding what I was going to study for my gymnasium, which is basically when you're 16, I found this program called entrepreneurship. I didn't really know what entrepreneurship was. And you would, I guess you could question whether you can study entrepreneurship. I guess it's something you have to do. But a big part of that program was that uh, you get to try to start your own company for one year. And this was like a government supported thing. So you didn't have to pay any taxes during that year. You just like here, have a chance, start a company, see, see if it's something for you. So I found this guy who was about to found another a company in Stockholm. I was living in North Shopping, and, uh, uh, which is two hours from Stockholm. And he was starting this coffee cow, which was basically a special designed uh, backpack that you can have on your back that contains 10 liters of coffee, hot coffee. So basically you could have this on your back and it had like a tube and it had cups and we had like a cowbell and we had milk from the titty of the cow and you basically allowed us to serve coffee coffee to people anywhere regardless of where they were so we did this a lot in festivals like Roskilde festival we were there for 10 years and various festivals around Sweden and, and Scandinavia I guess uh, and yeah I did won an award for for that idea and I basically franchised so I took his initial idea and I started my own little version in North Shopping and got an award for it. And yeah, that gave me a lot of, you know, I guess confidence that like, Hey, wow, you can, you can do things like this. And yeah, I think that experience definitely gave me, gave me a cons confidence and sort of planted a seed that sometime in the future, I will do this again. <laughs> Beautiful. And after I was, uh, after the, the, coffee cow i was the the 10 years working in communication and can you tell me a little bit about that process before going yeah so after after coffee cow i <clears throat> i i worked in restaurants and i did a bunch of different things but eventually i found a school that kind of was it was it's a school called hyper island it's a very famous school today for people studying media and and people studying leadership. Uh, 
Today, it's like an educational organization all over the world. Back then, it was only like two cities in, in Sweden. And this school was very special. It had no books, it had no teachers, it had no real classrooms, and everything was based on the concept of learning by doing. So very much every project that we were given was like, hey, here's a challenge or a, a task. Here's the people you get to work with, solve it. And then they were giving some sort of inspiration here and there were really good speakers were coming in and, uh, you know, igniting and inspi inspiring the process. But we really just had to solve things ourselves. And we were giving very concrete uh, tools to work in groups because, you know, if you don't know people, if you're around 20 and you got to work with others, can easily go sideways. But the first week of this school, we were placed in a room with 10 others and for 10 hours a day or eight nine hours a day you were sitting in a ring talking to each other and then they were presenting you with problems and you had to solve them and conflicts occur and then you were given tools very concrete tools or so giving feedback and how to get feedback and how to learn to listen to people and see other perspectives so this sort of piece of the puzzle made this whole learning experience possible because it was all based on working with groups solving a problem so I went to that school and this school was very, another cool thing about this school was you were working very closely with the industry or where, so it, it was a school for new media. So anything that had to do with the internet and media was kind of the focus. So at that time, this was, yeah, 10 years ago, like agencies, like advertising agencies that have been doing like, you know, TV commercials and billboards and stuff like that for many, many years and that I've been working well was now screaming for people who knew anything about the internet. So we were very hot shit when we uh, finished there. And, and luckily we had had the chance to sort of, you know, do these projects, build contacts and make a network. So when I finished, never, I was never intended to work in the advertising world, but I was offered a job there and I was 20 years old and I got to live in Stockholm. So I thought like, yeah, why not? Mm -hmm. So I took that job and I was working as a uh, strategic planner or digital planner. I was basically advising and researching uh, digital trends for and then helping various brands to help them figure out and take these and make something out of it. And it was a really cool job. Uh, I had a lot of perks and I learned a lot, but I always already then knew that like, mm, this is cool, but it's not what I really want to do. And I knew that but I couldn't really place, I didn't know what else I wanted to do. So I kept on working there for like maybe one and a half year. So I'm getting to, this is a long- I like it. Okay, okay. And uh, I, uh, I decided, I, my a friend of mine had been to Berlin, which is where I live now, and you as well. Uh, and he had, uh, he was, we were very close friends. We had painted graffiti together. We were rapping together when we were younger and we were doing, everything together and now he had found electronic music and he presented it to me. I mean, I knew a bit of electronic music, but it's very different to Berlin. So he said, hey, come to Berlin. I did. And I, I guess I fell in love with electronic music and techno. So that's when I realized, oh, I'm not going to do this advertising thing. I'm going to do this music thing. So I moved to Berlin and I was completely dedicated on just being a part of that scene of that mm. whole techno scene and we were organizing parties we were djing and my friends were producing music until my money ran out <laughs> so i had basically 
a year I'd saved up maybe like 10,000 euros working in that advertising agency and for a year I studied German and uh, and indulge and involve myself in the in the music scene and then my money ran out and I was like okay back to advertising <laughs> and uh, I thought okay I'm gonna give it another proper try and I worked for a really big agency this time here in Berlin and once again I learned a lot but I knew this is not what I wanted I really like the communication part I think I, and I still do. I still really value communication and, and use it a lot in my current. But it was this nagging thing of like, there is like, when you work in that world, you're often tasked with trying to sell people a bit of a lie, to be honest. Like you're, you're, mm -hmm. it's, you're trying to convince people that this is the thing and you're, you, it's like if you don't even believe it it's like start to nag on you and maybe your soul a bit as well so i was like so i gave that another one and a half years or two years and then i was like oh, i can't do this anymore and i went traveling and then i found a startup basically um and i thought okay i'm gonna work for a startup instead to see what that is like a very different kind of experience and it was this big community platform so they were basically a platform an online platform that took creatives people like designers and writers and, and copywriters and, and, and pair them up with big brands and they could work together. And I was given the role as head of community management for this global community of 100,000 creatives. And so this is slowly and surely how I came into this topic that I'm working on today because during that role, I, and this role was way above my head, like I'd never worked with community before. I was just like, as I was working in that role, I was constantly worrying about, okay, any time now they're gonna figure out that I'm a fraud and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not mm. the right person for this job. So I was basically walking around like this, tensed and stressed and worried. And through that, I developed quite severe back issues uh, in, my, in my right shoulder. And I was ignoring it for the first year or so until I couldn't ignore it anymore. And I had this sort of, okay, I, I eventually I had to do something with it because I was not performing well. I was not working well because I was constantly in pain. I couldn't sit in front of the computer very long. So I was like, okay. And I had this idea. I was just going to go to a doctor and they was going to apply pressure on this point in my back and the pain was going to go away. <laughs> but the more doctors I saw and the various experts I met, the more clear it became that that's not going to be the case. Uh, and if you, I really wanted to deal with this back issue, I need to change myself drastically. I need to change my habits and behaviors and I need to find a way to deal with stress, like change my posture, figure out to build some muscles to support that and, and a bunch of different things. And I had, uh, as everyone else, uh, tried to change in, in the past and been successful a bit but usually not enough so i decided basically okay i need a different approach if i really want to because i really wanted to fix this thing and so i started to i decided i was going to learn as much as possible from people who are really good at changing uh, their habits and behaviors so i started to read a lot of books and i started to experiment a lot with myself and i quickly realized there's a whole science behind uh, changing habits and behaviors and there's an art form to it and there's very basic simple tips and tools that you can apply and by doing so the whole process 
or changing yourself or changing specific habits becomes a whole lot easier. And this kind of amazed me because like, as I said, we all go through life trying to, we want to improve ourselves in one way or another or change in one way or another, but we're never actually taught how to. And yet there is a whole science and art form to it. And by applying these things, so people can be more successful with it. So that's sort of where this seed of what I'm doing today was planted. And I worked in that startup for another three, four years until I, and I, during, during that time was experimenting a lot with myself and changing, I changed my posture. I built up a lot of muscles. I figured out to deal with stress through meditation and mindfulness and a bunch of different things. So that's sort of, yeah, a bit of a, <laughs> introduction to mm. why i'm doing it why what i'm doing what i'm doing today and i like a lot uh, about it what you are saying like some of the relations i like it like the body pain with maybe we can call it the emotional pain i like that it was it was very much like that i think it was my you know i always had this feeling of uh, my body saying do something else do something else and i was trying with the music but actually as I saw my friends become successful in the music scene, doing what I wanted to do, I realized like, that's, that's, uh, it's not, that's not going to work for me because you got to travel every week and you're, it's just a tough lifestyle. Mm. So this pain came from sitting poorly, but it came from stress and, and like knowing that I was not in the right place exactly. and ignoring it and just keep on doing it, keep on doing it. And my body was basically, this is my, me thinking and philosophizing about this, but I think what my body was saying was basically, hey, do something about this. Hmm. And I did, and I found a whole new career through it. And let's talk a little bit about this new career. What is adapt, adapted coaching? Can you tell me a little bit about it? Yeah, so as, uh, as I was experimenting and testing and learning and realizing, hey, there's things to this. I, I decided, okay, how can I learn more and how can I maybe help others uh, with this kind of things? And I found this, I was always interested and in, uh, we do BDJ and there's, when doing BDJ, it comes with an interest of health. And I knew about this guy called Chris Kresser, who's a functional medicine um, pioneer uh, functional medicine is basically very much about, uh, you could take like, let's call it traditional classical medicine, which is like you break your arm, you go to the doctors, uh, they give you gifts and they fix it for you. Functional medicine is, a, but if you, if you go to the doctors, to the traditional doctor with like, hey, I have diabetes, they say, okay, well, here's some, uh, uh, what do they give you? to give you medicine to give you medicine to deal with it so functional medicine has a very different approach which is about okay you have a problem and they go to the root of the problem so they try to figure out why did you di develop diabetes and they focus on changing lifestyle uh, to help you solve that so they don't give you medicine they can't they might give you medicine as well but they also focus on like hey let's figure out why did you develop diabetes so uh, and I found this program is a two, two, week, two years coaching program where you get to learn a bunch of like the health stuff, like the geeky about 
proteins and all these kinds of things. But you also got to learn the skill of coaching, like, um, which is very much a skill. And uh, so, I so I started that for two years and, and graduated uh, and decided. And I like the whole health part of that program. I was like, cool, interesting. But the coaching part, I really suited me. So, and throughout those two years as I was studying, um, I'd come, become quite good at changing my own habits and behaviors. And since I had this sort of learning by doing background from Hyper Island, I was like, how can I create a learning by doing program that helps others change or, or equip people with the skill to change? Because like, it is really a skill. I don't like, you know, people think that like, oh, some people are good at changing their behaviors or habits and some people are not. But I think I really believe that everyone can be good at it if you learn it or if you get the opportunity to, to indulge and play around and experiment. So that's why I then slowly but surely created this one month habit experiment, which was, should I, should I tell you what it is about? Please, please. Okay. okay. So the one month habit experiment is basically a one month habit experiment that you do together with a group of five to 10 people uh, where you get to learn the science behind habits so you can understand what happens in the brain. Because like we actually know a lot about what's going on. We know how habits are formed in our brain. It's, no, it's not a mystery. We know exactly the sort of things that needs to be in place for a habit to be formed. It's called the cue, routine, and reward. And I can explain what that is. But basically, you get to learn all the science about what is, uh, how habits work. And then you get to learn a bunch of tools and te techniques and, and, and tips that can help you make the whole process easier. And then you get to create a plan for yourself. So you take you, a bunch of questions to sort of set yourself up for success for the month, sort of your hypothesis as you go into this experiment. And then you implement and you start to experiment. And basically, you start to implement this habit that you want to implement in your life. And you meet once a week to talk about what's working, what's challenging, what you want to change. And each week, we also explore other things that can help you get better at changing your habits. Like you explore your values and how to figure out like, hey, what do you care about? What gives you meaning? What gives you energy to make sure that you build habits to support those things? We explore strengths and like how can you use your strengths to be more successful at it and how can you we use language and how and a bunch of other things to help you be successful and there's accountability through the group the group like you know if, you, if you're in the group and you say, hey, yeah yeah and if you say out loud like hey this is what i'm gonna do and you make a commitment to the rest of the group it makes you more i mean there's a lot of research about this like when you make a commitment to a group you're more likely to stick to it so Basically, as using all these concepts that we know through science and helps people be more successful, put it into a one-month program and let people experiment. And the real thing is that you're experimenting, you're testing and playing and failing. And there's like, you know, if you think of yourself of a person experimenting, like they're just playing around and they're trying things. And like, and this sort of type of approach is very helpful when you're trying to change because you might have an idea like, oh, I want to change and I'm going to do it this way. But then you go and try and it doesn't work. And then to have this sort of mindset, like, okay, this didn't work. Let's try this thing. Let's try this thing. And, and sort of um, allow yourself to fail and use that as a way to figure out, okay, this thing didn't work, but maybe this thing will. Um, so that's what 
basically the one month habit experiment you know is all about that's uh and i'm running them monthly uh now through my company that i'm just setting up five degree change five yeah. degree change let's after I, i want to ask you a little bit like tell me a little bit uh, for the ones for me and for the ones how the habits works because okay. just to have an idea so yeah yeah yes uh, so where to start mm -hmm. so uh, habits are very small specific things that we do that the brain has evolutionary developed to help us save energy because if you if you have a very solid habit like brushing your teeth it doesn't require any amount of thinking like it doesn't it's not hard to brush your teeth we've just done that and like the, we're not even questioning we're not even thinking about it and the, so the way a habit gets uh implemented is through each habit any habit that you have is has three steps it's the cue routine or and the reward Uh, and the cue can be a lot of things, uh, but it's basically the thing that triggers a certain behavior or a certain action or routine. So that could be like waking up in the morning, that could be a cue. Arriving at work, like a, a specific place can be a cue, or uh, an emotional state, like feeling stressed or feeling anxious or feeling overwhelmed or feeling bored. You start, okay, I feel bored. I, I check my, my, phone. Social, my phone or whatever. And, or it can be like, okay, directly after a different habit. So after I brush my teeth and that can be the cue for you to floss. So all these things works as cues to the, tells your brain, hey, in this situation we do this. And then you do your routine, which is brushing your teeth, meditating, reading a book, doing your exercise, whatever it is that you're doing. And then the reward is what the brain registers as a beneficial thing for the brain tells the brain whether this is worth remembering for the future. So, and the reward can be a lot of things. It can be, you know, I mean, drinking a cup of coffee and you get a hit of, coffee, uh, of uh, caffeine and you feel energetic, mm. that's rewarding. Mm. So the brain is just constantly looking for rewards that is making our lives better. So, uh, but there, usually the reward is like, you know, okay, what's the, what do you feel after you've done BJJ? What's the feeling that you have in your own? release peace if i can describe it like yeah zen so it's state. like exactly so it's like a feeling an emotion and that's usually what the reward is the, the brain registers hey this is nice i feel maybe you have endorphins running through your body and, and things like that so any type of behavior uh, any type of habit has this reward and if there's no reward you're going to have to use all your willpower and eventually your willpower will run out. You're not going to do it. So it needs to be a reward there. And, um, and I'm, and also I think it's in, important to mention that habits is not huge things. It's not like, I don't know, what could be a huge thing that you, but it's, there are small things that you implement in your life. So maybe I can, okay. to, to make that clear, I can explain where the name five degree change come from. Please. So uh, basically um, what I noticed was that this type of give it all you got approach was not working uh, for me and for most people. And what I mean with give it all you got is like, you haven't been running for 
four years and now you decide I'm going to start running again and you're going to run for four times a week for 40 minutes each time and you go for it and it's like oh and it, you have to push really hard because that's a big change if you haven't if you haven't been running and now you're going to run that much it's like a 180 change and that wasn't really working for me and for I see for most people so I read this book called Atomic Habit uh, by a guy called James Clear. Amazing book if you want to learn more about habits. There's a lot of books on the topic of habits out there, but I think that's the best one of all the, the ones that I read. And there's an, an analogy in there that basically says that imagine that if you're a, you're a pilot and you're about to take off from the LAX airport mm -hmm. and you're about to fly to New York City. And yes, it's about your yes, as you're about to take off, your co-pilot redirects the tip of the airplane just five degrees. And it's such a small change that you don't even notice it. And you take off, everything feels normal. But as you travel for several hours, those five degrees is going to start to have a huge impact where you end up. Where instead of getting to New York City, you end up in Rio de Janeiro. And habits kind of work the same way because there are small things that we implement in our life that at the beginning, we don't really notice any difference, but over time they start to have a huge impact on you. So if you start saving two euros a day today, might feel, you don't even notice it, but in one year or five years, 10 years, that's going to start to have a huge impact. Or if you start meditating for five minutes, uh, in, in the beginning, it's like, it doesn't do any difference to me, but if you're implementing this and then you're making a habit, it becomes solid and then you can obviously once it's become a habit, you can ramp it up if you feel like you want to. But the idea is that you start small. You make a small change that is manageable in your already busy life where you got, I got kids to feed, jobs to, live, jobs to go to, and lives to live. And it's very hard to keep these sort of drastic changes uh, alive. So instead, you do a five-degree change. It's small, but manageable. You can stick to it. And by sticking to it, that's what makes... To make anything a habit, you need to do it con consistently over and over again. You need to tell your brain over and over again, and preferably in the same situation, you need this cue. You can't preferably not change the cue and like, this morning I meditate here and then I do it another, preferably you should do it same time, same place. Uh, and as you do that, over and over again, your brain registers, hey, this is what we do in this situation when I see that chair, uh, around the morning time, this, this is what we do. And the reward is that we feel at peace and we can go into the day feeling hopeful or whatever. So that's sort of where what habits are. They're small things. Um, and that's where the idea of five degree change come from and why I picked that name. Because I, I noticed as I was working, I was doing this fire, habit experiment that uh, this type of approach was just so much more successful with people and with me and it just makes sense because it plays on uh the mechanisms of the brain the brain doesn't like drastic change because hmm. you know the brain is constantly trying to do two things like avoid danger and seek reward that's like the main thing of what the brain is doing constantly and if you make a drastic change and the, the way it's avoiding threat and danger is by predicting the future. It's like, oh, what's gonna happen in this situation? What's gonna happen in this situation? What's gonna happen? And 
you know, if you live a certain way, it's kind of, it's easy for you, for the brain to predict. But if you change your way of living drastically, this gets very hard for your brain to predict what's going to happen. And um, that's usually when the sort of flight or, fight or flight mode kicks in and you, you don't, it doesn't like drastic change. So that's why this idea about five degrees change. I love that. First, I love the name and I love the idea behind because I think you are completely correct because I think generally when we try to change, imagine New Year's Eve, I'm going to the gym. I'm going, I'm changing, like I will lose this belly for sure. And the first month I go like every day, I change completely instead of going like two times a week and gra gradually increasing the the, the 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 times and I, I think that is that is why sometimes it's so difficult we can change to change habit because we we try to change it drastically yeah yeah and i think the only thing you really need if you apply this approach is patience and time like if you have pay if you just believe in the process and have the just stick with it for long enough it will pay off but this is usually what people don't have people don't have patience people want to see quick results and we're kind of programmed to do so so there's nothing wrong with that but there is a different way to do it and if you understand this and try it out and see for yourself that it actually makes a huge impact to make a small change and just stick with it i think most people will kind of get it and uh, start to apply it I think it's a great like and it's like maybe we can change a habit that it's like it will give the domino effect after you know yeah with one habit you sure. can change your life that's because that's, that's the whole idea with this one month habit experience is that you get you learn the skill of changing so you can do it over and over again you don't have to do the program over and over again you do the program once and then you have all these tools that we talk like concrete tools that you can bring with you so you can do it over and over again because i think you really need to prove to yourself once that hey i can change hmm. and then you can do it again and i think that's what's so devastating about this one 180 change approach because you do that and you fail and then a lot of people think like oh i can't change and then you that can be devastating for your confidence and for your ability to change in the future Man, I think you are completely right. And yeah, I think like you talk in, in a subject that I like also a lot and I, I will include myself in that. We are in the fast food society. What I mean by that, and we want instant pleasure, like instant gratification. Yeah. How do you think that we can change a little bit that? Oh, big topic. Um yeah what to say about the fast food world i i read uh i i listened to uh i read a study very recently which was about delayed gratification do you know what that is no please so they did this uh it's it's a very kind of famous experiment it's called the i think it's called the marshmallows experiment and basically what they what they did was that they took a bunch of kids in the age of six to eight years old or maybe five. They look, I, there's a video of this, it's hilarious to watch. And they basically, they put a marshmallow in front of them in a room and they say, here's a marshmallow, you can eat it now or 
if you wait, I come back and you can have two, but then you, you can't eat it. And then they leave them, they leave the room and you see this kid sit there and they're just like, and some of them just eats it straight away. And someone is, some people are like staring at it, licking at it <laughs> and trying to figure out. And uh, what they realized was, so basically they did this experiment to see that some people, some of these kids ate it straight away. And some of these kids were better at, uh, basically the people who could delay their gratification, like to delay the reward, uh, they got two. And then they did a follow-up study 20 years later on these people. And what they found was the people, the kids who had been able to delay their uh, reward. reward, they had better SAT scores, they had higher paid, paying jobs, they were um, basically had more stable family situation. They were basically more successful, if you can hmm. be harsh. Uh, and I think, so when it comes to this fast food uh, topic, um, it's, uh, I think the, re the way to be successful with that and with a lot of change is to develop some sort of skill or strength in, I guess, long-term thinking, but also to be able to delay the reward, do something today, to learn to do something today that's going to pay off later, not hmm. uh, straight away. And that kind of goes against this idea that I was talking about before, because the, the brain is look, looking for rewards in this moment. But if you can learn that like, hey, I'm not getting the reward now, but I'm getting a reward later, uh, it's going to be much easier to resist those times of temptation. And I would also argue that mindfulness is a huge uh, topic when it comes to this sort of mm. um and i would be happy to talk about talk about that as well but i think that helps a lot in learning not to just react to whatever your body is signaling to you yes because i i think you yeah, like you are completely right like being able to to, to develop that skill of okay the reward maybe we'll come in one year or two but who knows maybe just the journey it's enough you know sometimes just the journey it's enough but being able to do that i think it's it's quite a, it's a quite way to just don't like want everything now today like i want the change today i want the the, the yeah yeah i think that's a super powerful skill the question is which I don't have a good answer to, but like, how do you, how can you teach kids that? I don't know. I'm trying to teach my kids that at the moment by like, you know, if you brush your teeth and get your pajamas on, you get a sticker. And once you have five stickers, you get an ice cream or something that mm -hmm. they want. And, but I would, uh, so I'm trying, but I think the, it's a good question that I think they should teach in school. How do you teach kids to de develop the skill? I think it's a cool, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you also that question that it will be my, my next question <laughs> but yes I think it's and I, like if you can I think yeah, starting I think you already start answering that question if you start by kid like with kids it's easier than yeah. me and you today we can yeah. say that but For do sure. you have any idea that how we can do the, how we can develop that skill uh, mm, uh, okay, so 
I think one skill, one part of it um, is to develop the skill, or I don't know if it's skill or, yeah, it's a skill, mindfulness uh, hmm. practice, because, um, so I, when I had this issue with this job uh, and I had all this back pain, I <clears throat> tried a bunch of different things to help me solve that. And one thing that I was exploring was mindfulness and how that could help me deal with the situation uh, of the back pain. But also I had sleep issues a few years later and that's really when I, 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 I started to explore this topic even more. So basically, uh, I started to meditate and then I found out about Vipassana. Have you heard about Vipassana? Please, I will ask you also to explain me a little bit to give me an introduction on that. Yeah, yeah. I'm very happy to talk about Vipassana. I think it's an amazing concept um, that can help a lot of people. So um, Vipassana is a 10-day intense uh, silent meditation uh, retreat. So you basically go there, you leave your phone, your books, your pens, your, you, it's just you with the, your clothes. You have nothing else. And you meditate for, uh, I think it's 10 or 12 hours per day. You sit, meditate, and you don't, you don't talk to anyone else. You don't consume any books or anything. You just meditate for, for 10 days. And what, basically during these 10 days, you're taught a very specific technique and it's the te technique of Buddha. It's the technique that Buddha developed, uh, is it 4,000 4, years ago? I think so. <laughs> uh, and it's the same technique. It's a very ancient technique. Uh, and basically, I'm not going to go into details about what you're doing, but what it teaches you is to, so you spend the first three days, you spend observing your breath. You know, that's kind of a typical meditation. You sit and observe your breath and you sit there and then you sit and then you know, some thoughts come in and you, you get distracted and you realize, oh yeah, I'm focusing on my breath. And then a thought comes and you realize, oh fuck, I'm focusing on my breath. Come constantly distracting you from what you're doing. But as you sit there, if you do anything for 10 hours a day, you're going to get better at it. So eventually you start to get better and better at just focusing your breath at this point. And then on the third day, they say, okay, now we're going to start to do Vipassana meditation, which is basically you start at the top of your head and you scan throughout your whole body. Uh, and what you're doing is that you're trying to sense every part of your body. And they also tell you that you're going to sit still for an hour. They say like, sit completely still for an hour. And if you've ever done that, you know that that's extremely painful. It can be extremely painful. And it was extremely painful for me because I during those three days, I developed rashes in my bottom. So I had like rashes that I was sitting on and I was just like, I'm not gonna be able to do this. Like I actually broke down and I thought I had to go home or I, I can't do this. But then eventually I found a way to sit on my butt that allowed, basically I, was sat, I sat at the very end of my butt. So uh, all my body weight was focused on this one point, which if you sit on one point and still for an hour, it gets really painful but the, the point of this pain it's not it's designed this way so that you should learn to observe uh, rather than you know because if you in our traditional everyday life we feel pain and we get away and we do something to get out of it, it makes sense i don't think there's anything wrong with that but but by uh, sitting through pain you learn to just observe it 
and it's still painful but you're rather than sitting there oh it's so painful it's so painful it's so painful it's like hmm there is pain, there is pain, there is pain. And then you move on from maybe your butt and then you move into your legs and then you move into your knees and you're trying to feel every piece of your body. And the reason why you do this over and over again is because to develop the skill of distance yourself. So the whole concept is to basically, they, they teach you that all pain comes from uh, hatred and aversions and cravings. So like wanting to get away from something or really wanting something like really wanting that kebab or wanting to get away from uncomfortable situation. And that's what creates pains because we're trying to escape something that we, and these things are constantly there. And by trying to escape it, we create misery. So through this meditation, you basically learn to uh, not immediately react to uncomfortable situations or whenever you have a craving that the first thing you learn to sort of observe it and see it for what it is and decide like oh i have cravings i want to have a cigarette or eat mcdonald's or and then you can by giving it some distance from yourself you can see like hey what 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 do i what do i want to do about this rather than like having oh i have cravings i gotta get mcdonald's you can say like oh i have cravings okay what do I want to do? I don't really, it allows you, it gives more distance to mm. uh, act. And this, there's a lot more about mindfulness and I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not an expert on it, but it, it helped me a lot. But you know, there's, you know, thoughts that we constantly have in our brain, we have no control over these thoughts. So, and it's dangerous to believe all these thoughts that we have. Have you heard about this concept before? Mindfulness? No, but not believing your thoughts. Uh, can you explain me? Like, so if you, you know, if you just sit uh, and you just sit there, there's going to be thoughts coming into your head, right? And okay. it's not like you're choosing these thoughts; they are just, we're, they're just coming. And we know now, like, we have no control over these thoughts. So if you have thoughts and <clears throat> maybe their thoughts are oh i'm useless i'm i'm really bad i'm not worthy and if you decide to believe everything that you're all of your thoughts life can become very miserable because they're just thoughts and you have no control over them so don't let them control you so by having mindfulness and by you can also allow yourself and distance yourself from those kinds of things so that's why i think Vipassana is a great introduction to it. It's extreme. I shouldn't, I mean, a lot of people, not a lot of people, but people give up. I've had friends who have done it who have given up. But it's, I mean, I've learned the most from doing really challenging thing. And I think Vipassana is an extremely challenging thing that has given me so much. I recommend every, everyone I meet to do it once in their life. I think it's extreme, but at the same time, it's like it gives you the perspective of being the observer instead of being or like that first or we or we fight or we fight, you know, yeah. like and what is the feeling after spending 10 days? I don't know if it's 10 days exactly or like even three days without speaking. Oh, what is the kind of feeling that you have? It's it's like. It's the purest high that you will, I mean, I'm also say everyone who goes through this thing have their own experience. So okay. don't expect to have the same experience as I have. I had the guy in my room. He had like anxiety attacks while he was there. Mm. I didn't notice that, but I spoke. So on the, on, 
on day 10, they say, okay, now you're allowed to talk to each other. And uh, people are like, first of all, that they has gone through this amazing experience. And most people are in a good, pretty good place emotionally and mentally at that point. So, and people have gone through this crazy experience where they have dealt with a lot of pain or challenges and pushed through and hopefully came out richer on the other side. So it's like, it's like being at a, at a party where everyone has taken MDMA, but we haven't. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the feeling it's like shit man like, no 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 nice feeling nice feeling i like so like like no because it's so extreme that like man yes after 10 days i don't know like if you want to talk to the world or if you are just like after our jujitsu class like extremely zen in zen in connection also like because you create a community also in between that 10 days like i think it's yeah I, tell me please i want also like i have one sentence that one of my previous uh interviewer he gave me that i love it and i wanted that you talk me a little bit about that that is habits can build or destroy uh empire habits can build or destroy an empire i mean i mean because I guess what would be, I mean, if you could look at a very, uh, without getting too political, but if you mm -hmm. look at look at, at the habits of Donald Trump, who's definitely the leader of an empire, you could argue, exactly. and his habits of tweeting whatever he feels like can definitely destroy them. Like <laughs> I can it's see, true. eventually he, you know, he's he can create fights between countries and so or if you have if you have a maybe if you look at another current topic if you have a empire where the police have a habit of looking at a certain type of people or black people as hmm. suspicious suspicious um i think that eventually you know all these small things i understand type of yeah that can definitely destroy an empire but i think if you look at it like or you can uh, it can also build an empire or if you just look at our little uh doyo where we train we have habits there that we do every day we might not think about them but if you think about it like we have habits there that is definitely building us stronger so we we always do a warm-up right mm. or actually the first thing we do is that we we stand in the line everyone based on their belt and their mm -hmm. it's a hierarchy ah, yeah. and then we say well, thank you and welcome or Rodrigo says then we do a warm-up and what else, what other habits so you can help me here i guess we have some sort of habit of drills mixing yeah. drills we have a habit of always mixing less experience with more experience exactly uh, i think rodrigo is very adamant of implementing a habit of focus on your breathing mm -hmm. uh, awesome we also have a habit of always thanking each other after we've been fighting or sparring to make sure to leave no grudges and say like, hey, maybe that was tough. Maybe I felt, but hey, let's leave that on the mat. Uh, don't leave the mat before you get calmed down. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think all these habits that we have in place that is building maybe not an empire, maybe one day, I hope so, mm -hmm, but, mm -hmm. but it's building us strong. So I think any... 
any ha habits build or destroy empires, groups, or individuals. Build or Indiv destroy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Yeah, it's the uh, same sort of concept, I believe. No, and I love your idea because you give like concrete examples about about like how you really can destroy empire, like like yeah. with little little habits, and I love it. And yes, exactly, like good 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 uh, habits that you can take from martial arts. For me and for you, I already know that, that martial arts, it's something important. Uh, my question is, how do you think that martial arts helped you to improve your life and in each way, do you think? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I think it has definitely given me a lot of confidence that I didn't have before. Like, and it took a while for that confidence to come. Uh, I think like and like when when I started to compete and started to see that hey these things that we're learning here like to test them because when you compete you really see like okay do you do they actually work because mm -hmm. when you compete it's like okay this guy is trying to kill me or I, I mean not literally mm -hmm. but you're trying to choke him out or trying to break yeah. them arm until they say like hey I, I give up and then you give up you're not actually there to hurt them but you're that's the situation you're testing and you're really there to test yourself and by having some success in that and seeing like hey wow i can this and actually winning a few competitions that gave me a lot of confidence that it was not like i was walking around thinking like hey i can beat everyone up but that sort of confidence by seeing like hey i can be good at this maybe hmm. i can be good at other things and that sort of so that confidence i got from martial arts uh uh, it's it's rippled over into other things in my life to have mm -hmm. confidence to do this to to start my own company or to be a dad or you know like if you if you become if you learn something and realize that you can be good at one thing then you start suddenly thinking like what well, if i can be good at this maybe i can be good at that and then so that i think it has given and i mean it's it's a great training ground for discipline of course to like you know there is a very there's white belts and there's black belts. And if you want to get to black belt, you got to go through all the belts and all the um, stripes. So you just got to learn to be disciplined, come to each training and, you know, be disciplined about consistent. what you're doing. And yeah, consistent, exactly. And also I think like, you know, I don't know if what your experience was when you become, because I remember being a white belt and like, mm. oh, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? Then becoming a blue belt. And I'm like, oh, now I know this. And then <clears throat> actually what happened was I became a blue belt. And then I, I quit for four years because I was, I mean, suddenly wasn't an underdog anymore. That's mm. the good thing about being a white belt. You're, 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 you're at the lowest. You, could, you cannot go lower. <laughs> but then suddenly you're a blue belt. And now you're, there's expectations and people want to show that, hey, we can, I can get you even if I'm a white belt. And all that pressure made me stop for a few years. But then I came back and I was definitely not a blue belt. I didn't feel like a blue belt. And then as, you, as I progressed more and more, I realized like, oh, I don't actually know anything. And I, the more I trained, the more, I don't know. I, now when I go to training, I just like see things that I don't know all the time. So it's very humbling in that way that you realize that like, okay, you learned something, but there is a lot more to learn. And so, and I think it's also humbling to get beaten, right? Like to learn, to learn to get beaten by people above you, people underneath you. I think it, 
is really humbling and it, it teaches you to sort of, uh, uh, yeah, I think the, the people that I like at the gym, I think Daniel is a great example of that. We spoke a bit about before that, but like he's really good at taking a loss. And I think with like uh, BJJ can sort of, or martial art can teach you that and mm -hmm. like learn to not give it so much meaning. And I think Daniel in our gym is very good, good at that. So kudos to you, Daniel. <laughs> No, no, Daniel, it's it's true, and it's like, yeah, it's because it, you are so right. It's and sometimes if if you lose for uh, for a higher belt, the problem it's not on that. The, the problem and the fight it's with like we were talking before we start the, the the interview. It's with our ego, and if it's a lower belt, you know, or yeah. like in and yeah, like jujitsu, every day it's a lesson. Like every day yeah. teach you like humbleness like it's community it's, there's oh. so many things about it that is like fundamentally good for humans i think uh, I, think I mean also yes like i mean it makes you stronger and mm -hmm. to be able to like i've i feel like just walking around and feeling strong um, hmm. doesn't mean that i'm like oh i'm strong i'm gonna beat people up but just feeling strong makes me feel strong in a lot of areas hmm. uh, it's like a, i think that's why training um can be so powerful because you can have do that one thing and then suddenly it impacts all these other areas of your life and i think you are so right it's like yeah you're doing the training after you you go to the training it's like it's transpired to the rest of your life like like, like you were saying i think you you are completely right. Now let's let's talk about one sentence, but now this one from you that I love it. That is don't worry, be crappy. <laughs> yeah. It's a great little uh, uh, I guess technique or tool uh that we use in the one month habit experiment to uh, get over perfectionism. Because perfectionism uh is a huge party pooper when you're trying to change or implement some type of change because trying to do things perfectly like let's say you want to start running and you're gonna go for these four times a week and you gotta do it 40 40 minutes each time and then you have this plan and then you gotta go about it and then you the first week you do really well and the second week it's like hard and then you know one day you feel like oh i can't run 40 minutes today so what's the point of doing it and then you skip so the idea behind don't worry be crappy is to allow yourself to if you wake up let's say take something like okay you decided to do 50 push-ups each day and you're doing well and then one day you wake up and you feel like fuck maybe you, you feel crappy maybe you feel tired you didn't sleep or maybe you hung over or whatever it's going on in your life and you don't feel like doing 50 push-ups instead of being the perfectionist and thinking hey i, I can't do 50 push-ups i'm not going to do anything you say like, hey, don't worry, be crappy, do five push-ups or do one push-up or do 10 push-ups, do whatever you can that day. And that allows you to stay consistent. And also it allows you to, so when you start doing those five push-ups, you will also often notice that like, hey, I did five, I can do another five. So just a way to trick your brain to get to do it anyway. And, you know, as I said before, when implementing any type of habit, you need to do it repeat like repetition and consistency is far more important than volume. Mm -hmm. Volume is also important, but not at all as important as consistency. So 
when implementing some type of habit in your life, being able to stay consistent is what's going to make it a habit eventually. You need to tell your brain over and over again that this thing that you're doing is rewarding. So rather than skipping days, you just do it crappy on those days. And that allows you to stay uh, consistent. Hmm. Yeah. That's the idea of it. Be, don't worry and be crappy and we we use it a lot in the one month habit experiment and it's like a simple little tool one of the many tools that we play around with uh, to help us be successful so nice so nice and it's like yeah it's and it's like it's better to do one that none like you were saying and it's 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 all right like yeah don't yeah do it just a little bit don't and because yeah we we, we are also in a society that we have to have the perfect picture, the perfect post, instead of like, man, don't yeah. care. Yeah, I think that's really helpful not to have this idea about perfectionism because it's a sort of, I, and I'm not saying there's people who have perfectionist tendencies and that has helped them come quite far in life, but often, mm. and I think we all had a bit of a perfectionist in us, We, but often, eventually drives you into a wall and it becomes rigid and like you have you don't have flexibility when you have perfectionism because like it needs to be in a very certain way and like it's hard to do things exactly as you want them to every day and by taking away i'm basically in the one month habit we explain we ex replace perfectionism with experimentation which is a comp the other approach which you just like okay, uh, this is what I want to do. Let's just try and see what works. And you're playing around. It's, there's flexibility there. There's not really just testing, trying, learning, failing, adapting, getting better, and eventually succeeding, hopefully. Yeah, like you were saying, learning by doing. Yeah. Like you exactly. said, like completely. And like some part that, that, that like you were talking about, like, and I'm curious about, about like, listen to yourself knowing when is the time to do something how do you think that we can also improve that skill except for doing vipassana and and meditate exactly. or, um, i mean i the way i that the way it helps me i think is through uh, journaling like just uh, journaling a little, little bit every day about the things that I guess, um, I mean, my, I journal every, every day just before I'm about to start work. And usually what I journal about is just what sort of, what I've noticed about myself that was new maybe in the last 24 hours or so. And I think that is a great way to get, because when you journal, you can always also question yourself. Like you can write something and then you can sort of like question yourself. It's like, is that actually true? And I think it's a, it's a great way to sort of, uh, if you look at, if you think of yourself as an onion, at least this is how I look mm -hmm. at it. Like, and journaling is like you getting closer to the core each time by like peeling off what is maybe untrue or what you think feel is un unauthentic or what you don't feel like, oh, is that really me? So that that's why I think journaling is a, it's like a self exploration that mm. you can do, and I think it's a good good habit to have. You don't, I mean, it takes me five minutes each day and. I think that's a great example of a small habit that, I mean, five minutes each day, I barely notice it. But if I look at back at the year, when I, like, it has a huge impact on my ability to get to know myself and know what I'm actually doing and what I want to do and what's, what, is, what is challenging here. 
I mean, it's like the, it's a, it's the same idea with coaching. When you do coaching, you are, yes. So I work as a coach and I coach people one-on-one -on -one and basically as a coach, what you do is just, you're, you're basically holding up a mirror to the other person and reflect, you're, you're asking questions and you're reflecting back to what they're saying to help them see things from a different angle, basically mm -hmm. like, Hey, look at it this way. Look at it that way. Look at it this way to sort of, because if you're just thinking in your brain, you're sort of limited to your own. Uh, yeah. it, it's different when you have it in your thoughts than when you verbalize it or that when you put it on paper, it becomes something else. So I think that's why journaling and why coaching can be so powerful because it allows you to look at things from new perspectives by putting it out there. It's so nice. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Like you said, it like, and also like maybe you like that self awareness by i don't know how it is because like you use it the journaling with the, the vipassana uh you you try to do like because i'm really interested in that like a daily habit you try or like a morning routine with the vipassana so i used to be very adamant about my meditation <clears throat> especially before covid and then it just came to a point where i was like a bit it became sort of you know, at least for me, anything I, I'm doing, I'm trying to have a clear idea about why am I doing this. And when I started to get interested in Vipassana meditation, it was very focused on helping me deal with this sleep issue that I had. Mm -hmm. And eventually I didn't have sleep issues anymore. And I kept on doing this thing and I was doing it kind of, I noticed that I was, I was basically journaling as, but I was like, why am I meditating now? What is it giving me? So I've taken a bit of a break. I'm going to do another 10 days meditation retreat over Christmas, but uh, so I don't have a daily meditation practice, mm. but meditation is one thing. And then there's mindfulness and mindfulness you can do. It's, I think it's like almost like a lifestyle to have mindfulness because okay. it's just about being mindful and noticing and learning to distance yourself and not believing in your thoughts and sort of just do, I mean, you can be mindful by just, uh, I mean, doing jujitsu, you can be mindful. You're like very much in that moment and you know what you're doing, or you can do your dishes and you're just mindful about what you're doing, or you're mindful about your thoughts. So like, for example, I used to have a habit of whenever I was going to, like starting this business was a whole, you know, going from this, being this person working in the startup world and, and working with advertising, and now suddenly becoming this other person where you're a coach and facilitator. It's like a big shift. It's kind of 180 shift, I would say. And as I was trying to do this thing, my brain was constantly telling me, uh, no one, what are you doing? No one cares about this. You can't do this. You're not good enough. There was sort of like my brain trying to protect me, you know, like, hey, this is too big, too big of a change. And in the beginning, I was constantly, I was, I was, I let that stop me. And I, it didn't make me do the things that I wanted to do because I was, or I, was, I believed those thoughts. And then eventually I realized like, ha, ah, but wait, okay. My brain is just trying to protect me by saying, because the brain is trying to predict what's going to happen. And it can't predict doing this new thing where I'm suddenly going to be a new person. Maybe people are going to be judgmental about me or whatever. So my brain was telling me constantly, hey, don't do this, don't do this. But by being mindful, I like I could just watch this, like, oh, there is this self-doubt again. And the self-doubt is just trying to keep me safe, but that's good. Thank you. But I'm gonna do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And keep on keep on going, sort of. And um, so I think 
mindfulness doesn't only need to be a meditation practice. I think it's a great mm -hmm. way to develop the skill, but once you have it, you can see start to use it in various ways. Mm -hmm. uh, but just by being here, like if you're mindful, you just you pay attention, or mm -hmm. there's so many ways to be mindful. I think. Beautiful description, really. I think that, like for me, I could perfectly understand what it is for you, mindfulness, and yeah. Like just being present, being in the moment. And like you can try that for different ways, like exercising, meditation. Like there is not like, maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong or not. There is not like a right way to do it. No, no. There's like a million ways that you can be mindful. And like, uh, yeah, meditation is a good entry point but if you find meditation boring don't give up and think like oh mindfulness is not for me because there's hmm. a there's a bunch of different ways that you can be mindful in. and uh, like uh, can you tell me a little bit like now going a little bit deeper in mindfulness uh, uh so um some more ways to be present like at least in your life i will say like jujitsu for you it's one of the ways uh. other ways to be present um well i uh, i mean as i'm i'm working as a coach now and like being hmm. a coach is all about listening so i think that's a great way for a, that suits me i mean other people have different okay but like being a good listener i think is beneficial for everyone so like you know when you're talking to someone to just practice of giving them their full attention, I think is a great way of being mindful that comes with a lot of benefits. It comes with building stronger connection with the person you're talking to. It uh, also, I mean, you learn things by listening to people, you feel compassion. That's my experience as, as well. So I think learning to listen is a great way to practice mindfulness and, 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 um, I mean, I'm, I bike. I think that's also a great way to practice mindfulness. Just go on biking and be being on your bike and just just doing that, like just mm. focusing on what you're doing. Mm. It's a great way to practice mindfulness. Yeah. What? How do you how do you practice mindfulness, Oscar? And I, I I will say like, and I never think about that, but I think like listen. It's like man like when you said it it was like light coming to my brain you know like it it helped at least it helps me to just be in the moment you know being like really really trying connected and trying like just being here like listen to you like of course i will try to 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 see a little bit of the next question but like just being try to observe take the notes and yeah listening yeah. i think it's a great 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 advice man simple I think you're good at I think you're good at it as well. I you, I bro. see you. You're. I remember when I broke, not broke my finger. When I fucked up my finger, you were yes. like, you're every day. You're. I mean, listening, but also I think you have great compassionate skills. You're always like, how's your finger? How's your finger? You're remembering. I was like, yeah. this guy. <laughs> well, because I miss you. Like uh, we have great, great <laughs> gym wars when it's it's always a yeah. pleasure to spare to spar with yeah, you. Yeah, we were. We've always we've been like uh, like this. We're like uh, of the same level. So whenever the other one gets a little better, we're like, oh, shit. Great, great. It is true. It is, and it's yeah, it's great. And with Daniel also, it's 
it's a pleasure to to have to 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 spend time with you guys in the tatami uh now i want to go like a, a little bit about the morning routines and like night routines uh can you describe me a little bit like about your morning and your night and your night just to have an idea yeah i mean i uh, i used to have quite solid and like really focusing on but again like i really like this sort of idea of flexibility but i think my a couple of things that is rather solid is that i i wake up around six seven when the kids wake up that's sort of the alarm clock and <clears throat> uh if depending on the day i do i i follow this program of uh, gymnastic rings so i do gymnastic rings for an hour every second day uh, Then I eat some breakfast. Uh, I maybe have a shower and I do, I brush my teeth in the shower. And during I brush my teeth, I do a cold because, yes, because I mean, there's a lot of ideas about cold showering and Wim Hof, but most of all, I do it because like, it feels like if you start your day doing something hard, <laughs> you feel more capable of doing hard things. That's just how, why I do it. So I do like a cold shower for maybe a minute or so. And then I, I play with the kids. I send them to Kita, to kindergarten, and then I start working. And as I said, I spend five minutes just journaling for five minutes every day. Um, and then I, I, I write my focus. So like, this is what I'm going to focus, focus on today. Um, and then, yeah, what, what, I, I have a bunch of small things that mm. I've implemented, but I think it's too much to go through all of them. But that's then I spend my day working and make sure I get through my to-do list and then um, towards then I pick up the kids and then we play and hang around and we make dinner and we eat put kids to bed and I think that's a solid routine I'm not so focused mm. on having a million routines but I'm focusing on having a few really solid routines and and I see parents who like are really struggling with this routine of putting their kids to bed and They, mo what most people do is that they like, okay, let's go to bed. And then they go and they lay down with their kids until they fall asleep. And that can take five minutes or it can take one hour or two hours. And that's the only way their kids go to sleep. And um, we, we were quite lucky in the beginning to, lucky, or we just decided like, hey, let's build a solid routine. And it basically meant that you had to leave your kids crying for a bit. And it was a bit horrible to do that. But now... We basically say, hey, time to go to bed. They put on their pajamas, they brush their teeth, they put their star up if they do it well, uh, so they can practice their delayed gratification thing. Then we read a book and then we say good good night. And then they don't, like, they might be awake, but we don't have to be there. So that's sort of a very solid routine. And then, yeah, I hang with my wife, I train BGJ or I listen to podcasts and then I go to bed pretty solidly at 10 o'clock each night. Like that, it's very solid. I have I had a lot of sleep issues in the past. So my sleep routine is also one of the things that is very solid. And then I repeat. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah, no, because you are, no, you are so right. It's not like having like 100 things to do, like singing, dancing, to get, like a few things that you feel right for you. Yeah. And like, I think it's great. And I would say those, those solid things is the rings. It's uh, jujitsu, it's a sleep routine. It's 
uh, those are the ones that I've really worked to implement and they feel solid. It's no effort. Like when a, when a habit becomes solid, it's effortless. Like, I mean, doing the rings, doing like strength training for an hour is, it's still effort, but I don't really question it anymore. It's not like I have to debate with myself. Am I doing this? It's like, I, I just, I just do it now. It's horrible sometimes. It's easy sometimes, but I, I do it. <laughs> Perfect. And you were talking about the sleep routine because I think that is quite important and we don't talk a lot about that. How do you think that having a sleep routine helps you to, 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 to improve you, the quality of your life? I mean, I just know what it's like to be without sleep. And I was like, there was, when we had our second child, uh, Tilia, she, I started to have sleep issues. I basically, it started with me having a bit of like, oh, there was a couple of nights where I didn't sleep that well. And then uh, it turned into a couple of times per week where I didn't sleep at all. I, be, I went to bed, lay there the whole night, hoping I would fall asleep. Then the kids woke up at five or whatever, got up. I didn't, hadn't slept at all, went to work. And I as know from that experience, like living like that, I was living like that for maybe a year back, it was back and forth, but like it was really horrible. Uh, and um, so now I really value it. Like, and through this process, I really realized something that I think is quite fundamental when it comes to changing behaviors or habits and when it, it so basically what i realized that if you want to achieve some sort of long-term success with any type of change it really has to do with changing your beliefs about yourself and how you see yourself so if you see yourself as a lazy person you're very likely to act as a lazy person or if you see yourself as a kind person you're very likely to act as a kind person. And as I was going through this process of dealing with poor sleep, day, like week after week, I was starting to think of myself as a person who, uh, who sleeps poorly. Like it was part of my identity and my beliefs about myself. You know, there's this quote from Buddha, what you think, you become. That's, so basically it meant before I went to bed, I thought I was going to sleep poorly, so I slept poorly. So this belief and identity that I built up about myself was really not helping me. So it came to a point where I realized, okay, I can't, I need to change this. And so what I decided to do was, uh, okay, I don't want to be this person anymore who, who sees themselves as a person who sleeps poorly. So I decided, okay, I want to be a person who really values sleep because I knew hmm. what it was like to be without it. So this is a great way when you want to implement change. So you start by asking yourself, who do you want to be? Like, what's the, per what's the identity that you want to have? And then ask yourself, okay, so how do people with this identity act? What's their habits and routines and behaviors that they have? Or how do you see yourself being this person? How do you act differently? And these, how you act is then the habits that you then, okay. So for me, it was like, okay, if, you, if you're a person who really values sleep, Okay, you probably have a sleep routine, going to bed every night at the same time, sort of. Uh, you probably don't drink too much coffee. You probably make sure to exercise throughout the day. You probably may have a way to deal with stress. And all these things was ways to act if you really valued sleep. And I, one by one, I started to 
implement these things. Mm. And as I was acting as a person who really valued sleep, my belief about myself started to change. So by acting as the person you want to be, you will slowly and surely start to believe you are that person. And when you, when you have, when you have an, a belief about yourself, it becomes effortless. Like now it's not hard for me. I see myself as a person who values sleep and therefore that's the way I act. So if you want to achieve with any sort of long-term behavior change, focus on figuring out who you want to be and then implement habits that will get you there. And by acting as that person you want to be, your beliefs will come. And, and once you've changed that an identity, it doesn't change overnight again. It becomes quite, it's like solid in your core. So that's why it's a way to achieve long-term success. So to answer your question about sleep routine, I think it's super important for everyone and has had a tremendous impact on having good sleep. And uh, yeah, um, that little technique really helped me. And I think, I think it's also dangerous. And this is what you, was what, what made me kind of fuck up about sleep was that I started obsessed about it. I listened, I actually listened to this podcast with this guy, Matthew Walker, who written a book about sleep. He's a very, he's a scientist. And he was telling me about all these things about importance of sleep. And I was like, okay, cool. I really, I really got to make sure I sleep. And then I started to obsess about it. And that's what fucked, <clears throat> fucked it all up for me. So watch out for obsessing about sleep. Don't get rigid about it because that's, can be devastating it certainly was for me no and like fuck so much like and that information that you give it's so much more like than just sleep because you can put that in everything like in everything like everything that you want to become like if you like it's a kind you see yourself and maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong like just to give a little conclusion you see yourself as you want to become the person or the habit that you want to get you <clears throat> you do some habits in the action of the person that you want to become and after your beliefs it will start changing yes according with your actions basically yeah yeah, yeah. i mean <laughs> just look at the people just look at the people Whoa. in our in our gym like uh, you know, when you start there, maybe you're like, oh, I'm a beginner. I don't really belong here. But as you slowly, as you do more and more jujitsu, you start to like build this like, hey, I'm a, I'm a BJJ practitioner and I'm a blue belt. Like you build up this identity and then other behaviors happen automatically. You start to look after your health. You start to like, there's a lot of habits that come with this identity of being like, you know, a BJJ practitioner. Maybe it's like, okay, I'm, di I'm disciplined, I know consistency, I'm trying to be humble, or I try to eat well, I look after my body. I think, uh, so once you change your belief, and that's what, that should be your focus. Don't focus on like, oh, I need to earn this more money, or I need to sleep that, that many more hours. Focus on the belief or like the identity and implement things, small habits, things that you do every day. And as you do them, the change, your belief will slowly change. And once it changed, it's become solid and that will impact a lot of other areas in your life. So I think it's a super powerful technique. I think we can call it a superpower, man. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. like it's completely like, and I wanted to ask you, I don't know if we can, if we could, if you, 
because at the same time I'm I'm thinking if it's if you can give one habit um, to start today. To me, if you can give me just advice of one habit to start today, to me and to the listeners and viewers, which habit it will be? Well, I think it's, I mean, <clears throat> and this is one of the things in the one month habit experiment. There is no like, there is no one good habit or one bad habit. It's like, you know, if you, you know, you could take something like watching Netflix. Uh, if you watch Netflix as a con conscious decision to, relax and enjoy one of your favorite series and learn something mm. and that's that gives you meaning in life you mm. know it's important for, for you to relax it's important for you to learn new things it's supporting the way you want to live so it's a good habit i would say but if it's if you are uh, watching netflix as a way to not do the work you have to or procrastinate or whatever and it takes you away from the type of way type of life you want to live then it's a bad mm -hmm. habit so there's no in my mind there's no mm -hmm. no one good or no one yeah. bad habit but there's obviously things that you can do to uh, uh, get better at implementing habits and i would say maybe maybe i i won't give one but maybe i can give three the three Please. things that you can do so Mindfulness, we've already spoken about. That will help you to notice things about yourself. It will help you become less reactive. So when you want to act on that craving or whatever, it will, it will give you a bit of a space. So mindfulness is for sure. If you can develop skill of mindfulness, that's going to help you. Curiosity, like I think is a super powerful thing. So And you can develop habits around, like you can read something new every day. So you basically can build these things up by small things that support that but by having curiosity it allows you so let's say you implement some sort of habit and then you fail you you do something and you you're not as it doesn't turn out as you could instead of becoming like you know hard on yourself and thinking like oh i didn't do it as i thought or i'm a really bad person you become curious about the situation and ask like oh i slipped up what what, what was well, what is it? What was it about that situation? Okay, maybe when I'm around these kinds of people, I gotta watch out because we usually drink together. Or so, like, so by being curious about the situation, you can extract learnings from it rather than failing and feeling bad about yourself. And that will be then the third thing that goes together with this don't worry, be crappy is to have some sort of develop self love. If you can allow yourself to fail, and be curious about it and like don't beat yourself up like this this idea about like oh i failed and now you're gonna beat yourself up is really devastating and it makes you stay away from the process because like this once you start to associate self-loading which is like talking shit or like talking bad towards yourself with change you're gonna avoid it so by having mindfulness to be aware and then being curious when you fail and some sort of so self-love and like allowing yourself to fail but you know i guess the fourth would be some sort of uh consistency or something like that so and you can build habits around those things obviously mind curiosity you can read every day and self-love you can every time you notice self-loading you can decide hey i'm gonna write three things about myself that i like so you can sort of start to slowly change these behaviors so that i think is uh these three things I think will help you a lot to change your habits. But 
I can't give you one habit that everyone should implement because everyone's different, right? Nobody, and yeah, it was that I was thinking about that when I was making the question because of our conversation, but I wanted to make also the question. And also what I understood is that you give the fundamentals to put the habit, like listen to yourself, be mindfulness, like be curious, maybe why, why this habit is not working for me, you know, like yeah. don't judge yourself like, fuck, I fell today, I didn't meditate today, like... And like self-love, like understand yourself. Like, like I think it's, it's much more deep than just like drink water every morning, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Figure out your values and then build habits to support those values. And yeah, I think that's I like think. A, a recipe for a happy life. <laughs> it's deeper. Well, let me now ask, like, can we say that uh, you already found uh, your purpose by becoming a coach and escaping, if I will, I will quote, like uh, from that uh, corporative world? Uh, yeah, if I, I, I have never like, uh, I've never thought so much about purpose. I know it's a very uh, big thing for a lot of people and has a lot of power. I think uh, I, what, the way I was looking at it was always to find something that felt meaningful, mm -hmm. sort of that like, uh, you know, like when I was in that advertising world trying to help these brands sell stuff that I didn't believe in, it was like, I didn't feel very meaningful. <laughs> so, so I was looking for something that felt meaningful and that's something that I could be good at. Like, that, like, hey, if it's meaningful and I can be good at it and it can serve others. That, that sort of was the, kind of what I was looking at because I think it's very important to feel like you contribute to the world sort of I guess that's like part of the purpose of living for me at least to like not be a burden to the world but be a resource and so when I figured this out like I started to change myself and I started to realize like oh maybe I can help others and then I, I enjoyed it it felt meaningful and it, I noticed pretty as I was doing the habit experiment, it was actually helping people. Then I was like, this is, I should probably do this. And that's when I decided to leave that world and start this company. So that, I guess, is my purpose. But I think it's also, there is a bit of a danger about this mm. idea of that we think that we should find our purpose, that it's like that every one person has one purpose that they should find and they, they gotta, and you sit there and you're waiting for it and like, come on, where is this purpose of mine? And I think if you listen to people who have found something that they define as their purpose, they have, it usually comes with, you know, a lot of random trying and testing and like, you know, like, and you, you find this thing that you like in the most unexpected place. So I think, I think it helps not to think of that you should find your purpose, but like rather develop it, do something and like get good at it and find meaning in it. Like, cause the, the deeper you go into something, the more meaningful it becomes. So yeah, watch out for, or instead of looking for your purpose, maybe try to like create the purpose. I think that helped me at, at least. And fucking great advice. And like, no, really, really, really. Yeah. Because they had like, Sometimes it's it's like a Disney movie, you know, like your purpose, the the one thing that you yeah. should live by, and yeah, maybe sometimes you you find it, and and sometimes it, yeah, it's just like 
this is meaningful for me doing this podcast, you know, it's good for me also. And maybe I can also help something. So now yeah. this is my purpose at this time. It's not the only, the only purpose that I have in my life. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's a great advice. I think also at the same time, like, because sometimes you are like the guy that seated. Why? What is my purpose? And you are seated <laughs> like, like you were saying, like you were saying, and, you're just waiting for the train to pass and yeah i hope it's gonna be your train <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah i mean kudos to you for doing this podcast as well i that's uh i've uh, w watched you from afar and i'm quite uh yeah, it's inspiring that you just decided to do this and like i think you are applying a lot of because it's scary to do i've been thinking about doing a podcast but it's scary because you gotta put yourself out there and like you gotta be good at so many things at once and like how is the first episode is gonna be is people gonna judge me there's so many at least for me thinking about the idea of putting podcasts there's a lot of my brain is pr trying to protect me from a lot of dangers and telling me like ah, oh, don't do this but you mm -hmm. yeah you're just doing it and you're doing it really well so respect mm -hmm. to you i'm still learning and i'm here to help you if you want to 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 really go forward, you know already that you can count on me to 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 help you a little bit as a white belt good. also. Yeah, good. <laughs> can be white belts together. Yes, yeah, 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 yes. No, it's <laughs> nice to have the journey to yeah. If we can help each other and man, I think yeah, it's quite important. Like have some meaning in in our life. I think it's something that we we should pursue. Like, yeah. but for me, it took me one year. For example, like. To, from starting the podcast like from the, the idea until becoming a reality like cool. a lot of it i wanted to ask you now also um how do you describe your mindset oh my mindset um mm, 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 mm. well i think this idea about um uh, experimentation and playfulness is a huge uh, it's a huge uh, part of my life and it comes from a it comes from a very spe specific event uh, I, I did a ayahuasca retreat do you know ayahuasca i know ayahuasca i didn't know that you had well. it's a it, it's a bit of a long story and if it's too long we can just cut it out but it came from a very specific uh I did this ayahuasca thing and, and I was, this was also when I was trying to deal with my sleep issues mm. and what I was noticing in this, uh, through this experience was I always saw all these things about playfulness, like the, in, in my visions or in, in the surrounding, I saw playfulness, playfulness, playfulness. And it was like a message to like, Hey, maybe you should implement some more playfulness in your life. And I, and I did, so I started to, I stopped to be less rigid about the sleep. And I think this idea of uh, experimenting and testing and playing when you're trying to do something is a big part of uh, my mindset. And I would also say, I mean, and I think it's good and bad, but I, I think I'm very much like an optimist. Uh, you know, optimist has a lot of good things because like it, you see the good things, but if you take optimist, optimism to its extreme, it's like almost like you become a bit naive or, mm. or stupid. But I, and I, I get that criticism sometimes, but I would say that I'm definitely 
optimist. Like I automatically see the good things uh, about the world or in people or it's just, it's not something I've developed. It's just uh, how I happen to, to be. <laughs> um, yeah, mm, that, those two things I think is a big part of my mindset. And I guess similar to you, I think you're a, you're a very, like, you're a very kind, kind and loving person. Like you're very accessible. You, when you come to the door, you, you always, you see people, you look them in the eye, you notice people. I think you're a very, you're an inspiration in, in that sense. And I think, uh, I, yeah, I've also tried to be as kind and loving as possible and look at people with love. I think that's a great skill to develop. Yes, no, 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 no. And yes, you are. Man, and you let me curious. Let's talk if you have the time. Let's talk a little bit. How it was that Ayahuasca retreat? Did you went to Panu? Can you tell me a little bit more? Okay, I, I tell you the story. So it's a bit of a lengthy story. I try to kind of shorten it down. So I had this sleep issue and I have heard I bought ayahuasca and ayahuasca is, uh, it's an ancient medicine from stems from South America. And it's, uh, you drink it, it's like a, and you, so I was going there and they were telling you like beforehand, you can't eat this and you can't eat that. And as I was preparing for this, I prepare myself perfectly. And then that the, the day, the night before, uh, I was so nervous and whenever I was nervous, I slept poorly. Or when it was rather like, when it was important to sleep well, so I could have energy the next day, that's when I couldn't sleep. So I didn't sleep at all. And I went there, it was like two hours outside of Berlin. And uh, <clears throat> I, I came there, I didn't know anyone. And on the way there, I, I had followed this, pro, like, this protocol of not eating these things. But on the way there, I was just like, when you sleep poorly, when you, you, you don't give a F. So I was just eating nuts and fats and you were not supposed to do that. So I came in there kind of like feeling like, I was exhausted, but I was like, I decided to do this, let's do this. And it was a very beautiful setting and there were the people there was very welcoming and you're told to set your intention on why you're doing this, like why you're there. Uh, and my intentions was to like sort of figure out what is this sleep issue thing? Why do I have sleep issues? And then in the evening then they say, okay, let's then have this ayahuasca and they, they basically, before that, they also said, if you want, you can have something called, I think it's called rape, rape, rape. And it's a thing that they basically blow up your nose. It's tabak. Okay. They blow it up your nose. And I've had very bad experience with tabak in my life. I've never, like every time when I was a kid and smoked a cigarette, I puked. So I was like, mm -hmm. oh, but I was there and I was thinking like, you know, maybe I should go for the, for the full experience here. Like, you know, I'm here, this is part of the ceremony. So I decided like, okay, let's take this wrap up here. So I took it and then like three minutes later, I'm like nauseous and feel like I, I was like, oh, this is exactly how I feel when, when I smoke a cigarette. And at the top of that, I was exhausted, hadn't slept all night. And this was like getting towards the evening and I was ready to be awake for yet another night. So it would be like the second night in a row when I hadn't slept. So I wouldn't say my conditions was the ultimate. Then you drink the ayahuasca and pretty quickly, like, uh, so, so yeah, it's a, it's a type of psychedelic. So you, you have, 
hallucinations. You, mm-hmm. It's a very internal thing. You don't talk with anyone else. You don't have your phone there. You're, you're on your own little place in this kind of barn. It doesn't, wasn't a barn. But, and I was there and I, <clears throat> I actually managed, I took that ayahuasca and I managed to fall asleep for like maybe an hour or so. Woke up and I still, I didn't notice anything. And then I took some more of this ayahuasca and the visuals started to come. And basically what these visuals were, there was like this, I got these messages about like play and playing and playfulness all the time. So there was, uh, there was this guy who was singing, like the, the shaman, he was singing and his voice, like the way he was using his voice, it was like extremely playful and in a way that I've never seen anyone use a voice before. So that was sort of the first message. And there was this guy who was with us, who was a dancer and he was there to create a nice ambience and he was supporting and it was a very, it was a guy who was uh, putting it all together and he was dancing and I was laying there watching and it was so playful. Like he was just playing with his body with no rules. So like he was, it looked like he was just testing and playing and it was look, looked amazing. And then in my visuals, I also saw like these characters who were just playing with each other over and over again. I get this message about playfulness. And I remember long into the night, I, there was this woman who went around with, kind of like a dream catcher, like this kind of mm-hmm. instrument with, and it, she went around and she played it over my head when it was all, and it was so playful. And uh, so all these messages over and over again. And I should also say like, it was very common when you, when you take ayahuasca is that you feel like shit, you puke, or my, some people might even go to the toilet. I didn't have any of that. I felt this from the rock, I felt like, nauseous for many many hours but i didn't puke and then in the morning as the ceremony is over they told you like regardless of what you feel or what you went through in the night come to the circle and we're going to finish this whole ceremony together and so i was like at that point started to become i mean i've been awake for two nights in a row now and i've taken i've been having this ayahuasca and all this i started to become quite like thoughts was repetitive like same thoughts over and over again and then we come to this circle where this shaman who's been singing throughout the whole night and he does the he does this closing ceremony where he basically walks around very slowly and sings and he's he doesn't sing like you and i imagine singing he uses his voice in a way that you've never heard and he he goes around to everyone in the circle and he has this sort of it's like a fan that he's Mm. like he's using it to create like some sort of energy like he's my what i'm seeing is like he's driving out the last bits of energy because you know that's a bigger part of this is that you're sort of it's a kind of a cleansing process what Mm. you're doing and so he's like walking around whispering this around and as i'm sitting there i'm getting more and more like uncomfortable i'm like oh my god like this is not good and i can see people sitting there like they're like this in peace and i'm like oh my god we're in a different world and i remember asking one of the organizers like can you just put a bucket here just next to me like and he walks around and he and then eventually comes to me and he has this fan and he's singing and he's like he's hitting me with it it's like ah, and, and i'm just like i'm feeling this i'm feeling like he's driving the last bits of bad energy out of me or and then mm-hmm. basically ceremony is over and I had this very intense thing with him where I was like, wow, that was 
crazy. And then we all stand up and everybody clap their hands. And I'm like, okay. And everyone starts to hug each other. I still feel really weird and woozy and nauseous. And, and like we all walk around and then this woman, the organizer, she's coming to hug me. And yes, she's about to come hug me. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I bend down. I bend down and I just puke and puke, puke and puke. And it's like the room goes quiet because everyone has puked throughout the whole night. But this is like the celebrating, celebrating moment of the whole thing. And I'm sitting there on my, my knees puking. Everyone's looking at me and I'm like, uh, and the crazy thing, what the, the thing that came out of me was black, pure black. The thing that came yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely black. And as that happened, I immediately started to feel like, you know, it's like when you feel sick and, and you puke, you feel better. And that's kind of like, I felt like the devil had left me or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like amazing. And I walk out of there and I feel like it, the sun is about to come up. And there was, this was out in the countryside and there was cows there. And I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm, I'm walking away from everyone. I just want to be myself. And I sit there and I see this cow from a distance. And there is this baby cow there who's just like running around, like playing, playing, and jumping and playing. And I'm just like, okay, there's something about this idea about playfulness that, uh, that I take away from this experience. And I'm not saying that like, you know, there was some God came who gave me this message. That was just what I took out of it. Uh, was this sort of idea about take things less serious, be more playful. And I think, yeah, I, I took that serious. I mean, took playfulness serious, sounds mm -hmm. uh, contradicted, but I, I, I implemented it in my life and really, I mean, this one month habit experiment is really about being playful and trying and failing and see what happens. And so I think, um, yeah, it was a great experience, really hard. Like it was not, a pleasant thing it's not but what it gave me the impact it uh, i came away with it was was really it was worth it mm -hmm. like with most with most challenging things you know competing or doing vipassana it's like if it's challenging it's usually going to mean that it's going to be rewarding uh afterwards another great lesson exactly great lesson like because it's not just the experience itself but like the general of experience that you can take it if it's if it's difficult normally yeah you will take something of it like knowledge you will take from something from the knowledge now i want also to ask to my guests what is the legacy that you want to leave behind oh um, i don't know if I, I if i if people would remember like yeah he was a good guy i think that's <laughs> that's enough like i'm not trying to change the world really i'm just uh, uh trying to be a good guy and yeah like maybe if people remember like oh he was a resource for people then uh, that would be great i think it's a great one eh? simple as that good guy and a resourceful person like yeah and uh, uh, i like to read a lot and you were talking about books uh can you advise me one or two books to read I think that if you want to learn specifically about habits, I think hmm. that book Atomic Habits by James Clear is an extremely good one. Um, uh, there's a lot of books about habits out there and I've, I've read many of them and I think that's the most concise and like uh, you can take the stuff he's talking about and use it straight away. So it's useful in that way. Uh, and also great storytelling. 
but books, I think I, I came to a point where I realized that I was always trying, I got, I got to read more, I got to read mm. more. And I never did. And eventually I gave up this idea about reading and I, I realized the podcast is sort of my way to consume things. So I would say there is, there is a great guy, unfortunately another guy, but um, a guy called Derek Sivers. He's written a lot of books. He's written a book called Anything You Want, which is a great book if you want to be an entrepreneur okay. or starting a new business. But he's an amazing thinker and uh, he's very extreme in his way of living, but he takes things to the limits, I would hmm. say. And he's, I think he spends like up to two to four hours per day journaling. <laughs> so that's basically what he does. And he, he had a company that he started called CD Baby that he sold and he gave pretty much all the money for many, many millions. He got pretty much gave all the money to his charity. He's an amazing guy. And he has a lot of books, actually. He has a lot of books coming out now and in the next couple of months. But he has a podcast where it's based, if you search Derek Sivers, where he lets other people interview him. And I think that's an amazing resource uh i learned so much from that guy and i think he's a he's a resource <laughs> to the world for sure i will put it after in the description of of the the video the the podcast and also the the the, the book uh now let's talk about the some new projects like that you have it's the one month uh, habit experiment do you have anything else that you want to share no, so the habit experiment runs monthly and the mm. next one starts on 14th of October um, and anyone can join that. I just had my website launch today, basically. So I have a new website. Uh, that's, that has been a big project that is finally out of the way. And then I have, I want to do some sort of program, a one month habit experiment to help people stop smoking. So I'm working with a mindfulness uh, teacher to figure out a way that we can do that together because there's a lot of science a lot of new science out and research out there to show shows different approaches to stop smoking that i think would be really cool to try out so i think that's something that we're going to do in the future and i also want to do some sort of habit experiment for self-care because like seems like all these people who come to these habit experiments and i would say also especially women there's always the topic of self-care, how to develop habits for better self-care. So I want to do one specifically for that. But that's basically the, yeah, the, the projects I have on my plate at the moment. It's a nice, really nice, three, three really nice projects. Really, really. And now you were talking about like uh, uh, the new website, where the people can find you in social media. So in social media, social uh, media on, and the, yeah, what so is the, the webs- easiest way to contact you? I think the website, uh, five degree change.com. So you can either write five or you can put a five, the number five, five, and then degree change.com just in one word. That's, uh, better you find everything. And on, on Instagram, I'm five degree change, like a f- number five and then degree change. And on LinkedIn, I'm Olaf Ekman and, uh, yeah, I have a blog on my website as well where I share some of these te- techniques and tools about, you know, don't worry, be crappy and these things that can be helpful. And there's a newsletter there so you can sign up for if you want to get the updates monthly. Yeah, that's uh, that's where you find me. 
Thank you so much. Like now Thank you, to... Vasco. It's been a lot of fun. And thank you so much. Like a lot like just to end, any last advice, any last thoughts that you want to give me and to the listeners and viewers? Oh, I think I I'm I've emptied myself, Vasco. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I have no, love it, no love more it. wisdom to share. Thank but, you so uh, much. I think it was a, a very fun experience and thanks for inviting me. I never really spoken about a lot of these things about the vipassana and the ayahuasca and so yeah thanks for giving me that opportunity thank you so and much for having my good good teaching ground for my potential future podcast thank you so much no thank you so much for for giving me the knowledge and the opportunity to to having here in the podcast thank you so much guys Now, don't forget to go to all of Instagram and website, send some love, man, and visit us in all of the social media. Thank you so much, guys. See you in the next episode. Ciao. Ciao. Awesome.